If you'll turn in your Bibles to Acts, the second chapter. I want to begin in Acts, the second chapter, and I indicated that today we would certainly recognize and honor our seniors when we intend to do that. And the message I have on my mind, it is focused on things that will affect and relate our young, uh, relate to our young folks as they go out into the world, as they make transitions in their lives. But I think you'll see that these things apply to all of us. So although we have a particular focus of speaking to our seniors today, we certainly want to understand that this applies to all of us. And I want to give you three shuns to shun. Three shuns to shun. The first one is the untoward generation. The second one is temptation. And the third one is evolution. Three shuns to shun. Y'all get it? You're awake. I thought you did. Okay. (laughs) So the first one we want to look at is how to shun the untoward generation. And that's in Acts 2. And to give you the brief setting here, this is where Peter stands up and preaches the first message after Jesus has gone back to heaven. So they're, in, in one sense, they're all alone, but in another sense, the Lord says, I'm sending you the Holy Comforter, and he's empowered. He's not the same guy that denied Jesus. He's not the same one that was hiding. He has now been empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he's not afraid. That's what the Holy Spirit does to you. You understand that? You're, it makes you not afraid. It doesn't make you arrogant or braggadocious or anything like that, but it makes you not afraid. You know, take me, arrest me. As Peter does get arrested, do whatever you want to do. He's unafraid because he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you feel fearful as you watch your shows and as you watch your news and all of those different things, I want you to know that's not the Holy Spirit empowering you or depowering you with fear. The Holy Spirit will empower you like he does uh, Peter here on the day of Pentecost. And Peter preaches this amazing message. And we're just catching the very end of that message. And I want you to notice in... Verse 40 is where we take the first shun to shun. And shun just means avoid, to avoid something. And with many other words did he, Peter, testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Peter had a desire for the people that he was preaching to to save themselves. This ties in to what Brother Luke just mentioned to you about the apostles, the apostles, the disciples being in the boat. They're about to go down and they say, Lord, save us, we perish. It's very clear that they were not asking for eternal salvation. So you see there's different saves in the scripture. Do you know which save he's talking about when save comes up? That's very important. And here the apostle Peter is not saying, save yourself from hell. Get yourself out of a condition of going to hell. He's saying, I want you to be spared or delivered. That's what the word save means. It means deliver to protect. Deliver to protect. Deliver yourself, protect yourself from this untoward generation. The word from right there, it means off. It made me think of when I, in other words, he's saying, deliver yourself away from or off from this untoward generation. It made me think of my grandmother McCool. And she lived in Lamar County and, and part of her life, and then Pickens County, Zion, most of her life. And anytime somebody was not from around Pickens County, or specifically if anybody was not from around Zion, she would say, we'd say, well, where were they from? And she'd say, oh, they're from off. <laughs> and so as little children, you know, we thought this land of off was this huge, you know, golly whopper of land because everybody that went from Zion was from off, <laughs> 
But where's off? Well, it's just, it's just over there. <laughs> so this is the Lord telling us through Peter that you're going to have to be away, avoid, or move off. And I'm, it's not necessarily talking about a physical location, but move your mind, move your, sometimes your physical location, your physical body, move off from this untoward generation. The word untoward means warped. It means warped. That's a good word for us to understand today in the day and time that we're living in. A warped generation. If Peter was concerned that this generation that he lived in at that time was a warped generation, could you imagine if Peter plopped down here today and we told him some of the issues that are going on? <laughs> he would probably say, these guys, are, this generation is beyond warped. <laughs> this made me think of wood or lumber. We have some trees growing on some property. And when the trees were planted, they were planted before we got the property. And the person who had planted the trees said, now watch these trees, these pine trees, because they're going to grow fast. They're a, they've been augmented somehow. They've been spliced and crossed, and these trees will grow fast. And sure enough, in 10 or 12 years it's been, those trees have just... Um, it's amazing how they have shot up. And a lot of trees are like that because they have monkeyed with and worked with splicing the growth of those trees. And now if it would take 30 years to grow this particular tree, well, now it's taken about 20. And that's amazing. And it gets to harvest faster. And it gets maybe if somebody's into that and gets you know, money in their pocket faster because they can harvest their trees more. But there's a problem. Those trees, when they are cut down into lumber, and not all of them, but a lot of them, and those of you that have trees, don't go home and have a tree test done. That's not the purpose of why I'm telling you this. But there has been a problem with those fast-growing trees. The density of those trees are not as thick as the old oak tree that's been growing for 100 years or the other pine trees that have been growing that haven't been you know, spliced or, or monkeyed with. And so they have a problem with some of that wood warping. Because it doesn't have the same thickness or the same density. That's what untoward means. Warped. Something that warps easily. And so you can imagine if you got that kind of wood and you put it in your house and you built your trusses and you built your foundation with that type of wood. The next thing you know that wood is warping and it's causing your house to, to look funny. Can we not see how that, a, that is a, a great description of what we deal with today? You know, the house is just warped. The house is just, at the foundation, it's just warped. A few years ago, yeah, this, did you know that hatchet throwing is, is very popular these days? People are getting back into hatchet throwing. We, we went to Williamsburg, and you could pay a, a little bit of money, and you could throw a hatchet and stick it into a piece of wood. My kids are smiling. They remember doing that. They, they thought that was amazing. When I was growing up, it was throwing stars, a little ninja throwing stars. I had 20 or 30 of them, and dads, I feel sorry for the insulation on the inside of dad's shop because I tore it up. I just constantly, it's easy to throw a throwing star into insulation, you know, but you start throwing stuff into wood. It was always hard for me to do that because a lot of times the wood was so thick. And so we got back home from Williamsburg and we were like, Hey, let's keep on doing some hatchet throwing. I think his brother Harold or somebody gave us a big piece, like a trunk of a tree, you know, that had been cut out, but it wasn't the same type of wood that they used for hatchet throwing because what they use for hatchet throwing, the hatchets stick in the wood easier. They're not as dense. And so we had, had this, uh, maybe I'm too weak, but I would take our hatchet and it was just a regular old hatchet. It wasn't like these special looking, uh, you know, uh, warrior type hatchets. It was just an old hatchet and I would throw it and it would just bounce off of that wood. It was so tough. The wood was so tough. You see, the opposite of that is untoward. You see, 
We just we need to understand that in order to stand against the crooked or warped generation, we have to be tough in one sense. We have to let some things bounce off of us. We can't let some things stick to us. It says that Peter wanted them to save themselves from an untoward generation. This is the first shun that I encourage us all, not just our seniors, but specifically our seniors and all of us. There's some things that we have to shun or avoid. And it is the untoward generation. Luke 3 and 5 speaks of when the apostle, uh, when John the Baptist would come and preach and he would say the crooked would be made straight. And he was speaking of Jesus. The word crooked there is untoward. It's warped. That the Lord would come and he would make that which was crooked. He would make it straight. You know, Jesus is not an anti-hero. You know, that's real popular today. I have my thoughts on why the anti-hero is so popular. If you're a comic book fan, you may think of somebody like Deadpool, who is just as wicked and corrupt. Of a, And I don't watch that, but I, I know the comic book because I used to read comic books. But he's an anti-hero. You know, at the very end, he does all this horrible stuff. And then at the very end, you know, he comes through and he saves the day. Let me tell you. We don't need to worship an anti-hero. We need to worship the hero, Jesus Christ. And if you need a superhero to sink your teeth into, just look in the book of Revelation where it speaks of our superhero, Jesus Christ, who can fly, who has flame ray vision, who has all of these qualities about him. He's indestructible. You talk about a superhero that is not an anti-hero. You know, they've even kind of corrupted my Batman. He's my favorite one, you know. I even... Uh, I even uh, uh, Got Batman comics on into college. I love The Dark Knight. I loved it. But if you see the movies over the last few years, you know, they, Batman gets in this position where he doesn't know, you know, he's got to do a little wrong to get it right, and, he, and he's got to do a little more wrong to get it right, and the ends justify the means. Let me tell you, your Savior is not that way. He is not an anti-hero. He doesn't have any doubts. He doesn't have any question over this is right and this is wrong. If you have questions over that, or if I have questions over that, that's where the Word of God comes in, the love letter. You say, well, Brother Tim, I don't know exactly whether or not this is right or wrong. I need a little clarification. Talk to your minister. Talk to your preacher. Talk to your parents. Talk to someone who may have been there in those times of temptation. Don't just keep it to yourself. Everybody struggles in that way. But I'm telling you about one who never struggles in that way. And if you ever hear anybody say, well, you know, Jesus looks like he was kind of going back and forth before the cross. He was wondering if he should do this or, or wondering if what, about what he came to do. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus knew exactly what he came to do. He knew exactly what was going to happen to him. And he did it anyway. And his mind, it says his eyes were, they were set like a flint on Jerusalem. He had no doubt. He had no reservation in what he did. Amen. We need to hear about that Jesus. <laughs> He's not an anti-hero. He is a hero. Amen. The ultimate Philippians 2 and 15 says that He wants us to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked, that's the same word as warped, untoward, a crooked and perverse nation. The word comes from a root word that means to have a broken leg. It's the word scolio. You may have heard of scoliosis. That's where the word untoward comes from. Some children and adults have been affected or afflicted by scoliosis. And the root word of untoward is a broken leg. So you can imagine, have you ever tried to do anything when you were, you know, when you had an injury? It's not fun, is it? I like to run. I like to get a little exercise by running. And I have noticed, and it's just kind of, yes, it is because I'm fixing to turn 50 for sure. But, you know, I, I joked and told you all this before, Brother Chris, when he would tell me, man, when you turn 40, I was four years behind him. It's just something. And I'm like, whatever, he's so out of shape. And then I turned 40 and I was like, he wasn't kidding. <laughs> And now, you know, 50 is the new 40, at least I think it is. 
And, and so I'm going running and I'm, I'm hearing this little squishy sound. And I'm thinking, is that my shoes? No, it's my knees. I got a squishy sound in my knees now. You know, it's so hard to do something when you have something broken. Some of you may have suffered something broken. If you're trying to do a normal, ordinary thing that you normally do, and you can't do it because you have something broken or injured. And that's what this is an indication of. If you follow the untoward generation, if you go after the things that the world is going after, then it might as well be like you're walking with a broken leg or something worse broken. Can you imagine showing up on the first day of a football camp and here comes this person that's supposed to be some kind of hoss, some kind of big, big wig that's going to come in there and he's going to dominate the defensive line. And everybody's coming out there and everybody's sweating. And it's that time of year, the time of year that I like. And everybody's getting ready for the season. And here comes this guy who is the sure thing. And he comes walking in and he's got his arm in a sling and his legs in a cast. He's like, I'm here to play. Are you kidding me? That guy's not going to get it down because he's got a broken arm. He's got a broken leg. How many of God's children are suffering from such broken arms and broken legs because they follow the untoward or, or warped generation? I mean, listen, pick an issue. Pick an issue. Gender confusion, same-sex marriage, sexual identity, racism, critical race theory, socialism. <laughs> I mean, you, just pick an, you could just close your eyes and put the issues on the wall and just throw a dart at it and just... Pick the issue. There's so many issues out there. I wonder if this time that we're living in, there might, it might be the time that has the most issues that, that we've ever seen. I wonder. You know, the Lord said it's not going to get better before He comes back. It's going to get worse. So pick the issue and test it by the Word of God. You will find an answer. 2 Corinthians six seventeen. the Lord says through the Apostle Paul, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Do we even know what the unclean thing is? There's a lot of uncleanness out there today. So to our young folks, especially the ones that are graduating, this is a transitional time in your life. And this is a time of testing. It really is. It's a time to be tested. Anytime that you have a disruption in your normal routine, it's always a time of testing. And it's always a time that Satan will try to capitalize on. So the one thing I would say to you is to get used to being in the minority if you're going to follow the Lord. <laughs> Get used to being in the minority. When the Lord went back to heaven, you can read it just a, just a chapter before Acts, the second chapter. In a movement that is still around today that has millions and millions and millions of followers. I mean, we just take Christianity for granted. Christianity, Christianity, this country has this many Christians. This country has that many. When the Lord went back to heaven... When the Lord ascended and went back to His throne in heaven and sat down and He looked back down upon the earth, He looks to see, where are my followers? What are they doing? He looks in a little room where they were gathered in Acts the first chapter. And you know how many there were? A hundred and twenty. An, an earth-shaking movement. Well, it began with one man, Christ. But when He went back to heaven, He had a hundred and twenty followers. About the number of people that are here this morning. On a regular Sunday, we have about... Anywhere from 100 to 140. So about the same number of people that are gathered here this morning. Can you imagine? You're going to be in the minority as a follower of Christ. Don't feel bad. You're in good company because when this whole thing began, when the movement of Christ began, and He is a household name now. Sadly, in some houses, He may be a byword or a cuss word. But I want you to know that whenever it began, there were only 120. You need to get used to being 
in the minority. It's okay to be in the minority. Have you, not, have you ever read the Word of God and seen how many times the Lord has taken the minority and, and caused great victory to come? You can think of the Gideon with his 300. You can think of David standing before Goliath. Think of the number of times that God took a little tiny nothing minority and He changed the course of the way things were going. That's how God works. It's very similar to what the, uh, Brother Luke was talking about. that A dead person can't respond. You see, for a dead person to respond, God's got to work. You see? And God could take any minority. Maybe it's your little family. Your little family of, of two or your little family of three or your little family of four or five or whatever it may be. Or maybe you're one person. God can take anything if you're following Him and He can bless that minority. He specializes in that. He shows out when He does things like that. You see, this says that they were not backwards. Peter didn't say Save yourself from this backwards generation. He said, save yourself from this untoward generation. That's different than backwards. You know, we've got a backup camera on the car. And I thought, you know, I wonder how hard it would be to go down the road just following that backup camera. I've tried it down the driveway a time or two. Don't try it at home, kids. It's not going to (laughs) work. But I've tried it a time or two. And it's very difficult to go backwards watching that. You're kind of doing everything reverse and opposite. It doesn't say backwards. It says untoward Toward what? He's speaking of an untoward generation, a warped generation that is not toward the Lord. That's what he means. He doesn't use the word backwards because we could go backwards for a little while and maybe not wreck. He's talking about one that's not, uh, that is untoward. It's not in the direction of the Lord. You see? What a glorious thing it is whenever we adjust that as Peter was calling upon them to do and as I call upon you to do here today. Adjust that. Save yourself from the warped and untoward generation. As opposed to what? What is the untoward generation? Think about who he was talking about. They had just crucified Jesus. The Pharisees had put him uh, to trial. And it was a mock trial. And uh, the, the King Herod and his men had put him to trial. And it was a mock trial. Pilate had put him to trial. And it was a mock trial. It was a joke. It was in one night there. Think about that generation that was so crooked and so, so untoward Jesus. And then they crucified Him. They had no evidence. They substituted a wicked murderer named Barabbas for Jesus. So it was the Barabbases. It was the politicians. It was the Pharisees. It was all of those legalists. They put Him to death. They were backwards, you see. Worse than backwards, they were untowards. There was a Welch Protestant pastor, and you may have heard of him, named Martin Lloyd-Jones. Very well known through the 1900s. And he was called upon to speak to some, an elite university. He was speaking to their graduate students. And the subject that uh, Pastor Jones took was, or Lloyd Jones took was, depravity. And he just shelled the corn, as we say, to these elite university graduate students on depravity, which is the wickedness of man and the base wickedness of all mankind. He did that for an hour. <laughs> And so after he finished speaking, one of the graduate students came up to him and he said, "Uh, Pastor Lloyd-Jones, you're speaking to us as if we're ordinary people. And Pastor Lloyd-Jones says, I'm glad you noticed. You see, this is an untoward generation. It's warped. But praise be to God, there's still light, there's still hope there's still the opportunity to serve and honor God, just like in the days of Peter. The second shun, which we'll spend a very short amount of time on, is temptation. 
1 Corinthians 10, 13. We need to shun temptation. You know, the weak Christian says this. A weak Christian says, well, I can handle it. You know, I can stand being around temptation. I can handle it. I can resist. I'm, I'm strong. That is a weak Christian. The strong Christian says, I can't take it. I can't handle it. I'm not going to subject myself to the scenario, to the situation or whatever, because I'm weak. That's a strong Christian right there. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, and this is one of those spiritual urban legends I've told you about before that's been misquoted like crazy. So let's read it. There hath no temptation. This is a, one, this is a shun to shun. Temptation. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Now this is that, this is that um, verse of Scripture that's often misquoted to say, well, you know, the Lord, He won't put on you more than you can bear. Because it says there, you, you'll be able to bear it. But it's not talking about things that come upon you. It's talking about temptation. The Lord will make a way for you to escape so you can bear the temptation. Does that make sense? It's a, it's a total different mindset when you read the Scripture that way. It's not that the Lord won't put on you more than you can bear. Just ask David. Just ask Samson. Just ask Saul who committed suicide. There are times in our lives when we will have things more on us than we can bear. Sometimes the Lord just leaves us to our own devices and our own selves and our sin. And He lets us learn hard lessons. Look at the hard lesson that Solomon learned in marrying a thousand wives. Look at the hard lesson that Saul learned in going after his pride. Look at the hard lessons that many of God's children learned in the Scripture. Look at the hard lesson that Lot learned. And the last time you read about Lot, he's living down in Sodom. And he is basically just a nobody. He basically has no influence because he would not come away from that warped generation. You see? And here it says, brothers and sisters, when you come across temptation, get your eyes off the temptation and start looking for a way to escape. God will, he is, God is the ultimate escape artist. He will provide you a way of escape. I was always mesmerized by Houdini. Well, you know what caught up with Houdini? He finally didn't escape. Harry Houdini, he was an amazing escape artist. But the Lord is the ultimate escape artist. If you have temptation coming upon you, instead of focusing on the temptation and thinking, oh my goodness, I think I can take it. I think I can stand it. I can resist. You can't. Look for the way of escape. God is faithful to you because He loves you and He will give you a way of escape. And you could think about that in so many different scenarios. What about Joseph in Genesis 39 and 12? It says when Potiphar's wife was after him, she kept coming after him and coming after him and coming after him. And the weak Christian would have said, I can take it. <laughs> you know, I can resist. I can take it. What did Joseph do? It says that he fled. He fled out of the house. He ran. He found a way to escape. And you know what it was? It was an open door. And he just ran. You said, that looks kind of nerdy. Well, let it be as nerdy as you want it to be. It honored God. Sometimes it's okay to look like a nerd if you're honoring God. I can assure you that the Lord's got not up in heaven going, oh boy, Brother Tim, he looks like a nerd. Uh, God's not doing that. God's saying, praise God. I don't care if they call him a nerd. I don't care if they call him some kind of weirdo. I don't care if they call him weak. I see him as strong because he's fleeing. He's taking my escape route. You see that? Flee. Temptation. That's one of the shuns to shun. How many weeks have we been quoting Lord of the Rings, Brother Luke? <laughs> I thought we'd keep it going. You remember in the Lord of the Rings, if you've seen the movie, if you've read the book, if you haven't seen the movie, read the book. If you've read the book, see the movie. You know, it's, it's symbiotic. It works together. <laughs> Frodo and Sam getting closer and closer to Mordor. 
And then they get distracted. And they begin to, they hear a noise. And they go and they watch these mercenaries and this huge army coming in. And they lay there on the hillside. And, and Sam says, I never dreamed that I'd ever see these gigantic creatures that look like elephants, huge, that were coming in. And they sat there and they sat there and they sat there. And then one of them looks at the other and says, uh, Frodo looks at Sam and he says, we've tarried too long. <laughs> and the next thing you know, they turn around and they get caught. <laughs> Don't tarry too long with temptation, child of God. Don't tarry at all with temptation. It will catch you. It will ensnare you. It will distract you and destroy you, and it will leave you decimated. The last thing, and I know it's a little bit out of, out of place, but I was just looking for another shun. <laughs> Evolution. And I hope you see how this ties in. I'm going to bring this back in even to Mother's Day here in just a couple minutes. Evolution. Shun Evolution. Evolution is just a theory. And one of the reasons that this is on my mind, because some of our seniors are going to go to college. And even when I went to a Baptist college back in the 90s, they were talking about this. At a Baptist college, when you take biology, you know, it's a theory. You're going to hear about it. You're going to hear it as though it is fact. And it is not fact. It is merely a theory. Here's why it is a theory. Because to be observable scientific fact, to be scientific fact, it's got to be observable. Nobody was back there millions of years ago, as they say, to observe anything. Furthermore, we haven't been here for millions of years. The word creation itself comes from a Greek word that means kitesis, that says kitesis, which means the act of building. It means an ordinance, like a law is passed. God passed the law. The root word of creation comes through the idea of the proprietorship of a manufacturer. Have you ever looked on a little thing that was manufactured? Maybe a knife, maybe some device that you bought, maybe some of your kitchen things, ladies, and you'll have a little plate on there or something inscribed that says manufactured by so-and-so. The proprietorship of what is made there goes back to the manufacturer. And the same with creation. The proprietorship of everything that you see around you goes back to the manufacturer, capital M, and it is the Lord. Listen, it's insulting to me when somebody says, we came from monkeys. One of the reasons it's insulting for me is because I believe my wife is the most beautiful thing on the planet. To me, she is the most beautiful thing on the planet. And I cannot see any semblance of, of monkey in her. It's insulting. There is nothing about my wife that looks like a monkey. Now, you may look at me and say, well, you kind of look a little monkeyish, you know, little arms hanging over. Have y'all ever, monkeys are nasty. Y'all ever seen monkeys at the zoo? Have you ever watched a YouTube video? Monkeys are nasty. We don't come from monkeys. We come from a glorious creator that has fashioned you in his image. You see, whatever image you bear here today was originally stamped on Adam whenever God made Adam in His image. So I can't tell you exactly what God's going to look like. I can just tell you that we are all in some way or another distant shadows of the image of God. Fallen and broken because of sin and yet due to be glorified one day when the Lord comes back. Christ's own words support creation. He says from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Be a lot to unpack in that statement, would it not? God Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, the red letters of the Word of God, He said from the beginning of the creation, Jesus Himself was a creationist. You know why He's a creationist? Because He's the Creator. But you're going to hear that and not just you, students, but it's just out there. It's, it's a mantra that's just put forth every day. And the more you hear it, the more it's likely that you might believe it. If you remember, if you know anything about history and how Hitler took over Nazi Germany, you know, he had, he had all these things just constantly bombarding propaganda, bombarding the people until their minds were warped into, into believing some of the things that they heard just because it was being played over and over and over and over. And that's the way we are today. 
It's being played over and over and over. The band just plays on. But child of grace, you come from a glorious creator. How in the world can you explain things like bees? (laughs) Okay? Just take one little animal. Take one little thing like a bee. Our neighbor grows bees, and he was sharing this with me the other day. And you tell me how evolution can explain this. Those bees will go out to find some pollen miles away, and they'll come back into the beehive, and they'll do a little dance. Yes, a little dance. (laughs) They'll do a little dance in front of all the other bees, and that dance that the bee does with that little bit of pollen that he's brought back, it's like a GPS. It coordinates with where the sun is. Come on, are you kidding me? How many millions of years did it take those bees to evolve to finally get it right, get the dance right, you know? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense, does it? I tell you, a bee is an amazing creation of God, just like all other animals are, like all these other things are amazing creations of God. And most importantly, child of grace, you are not a monkey. You don't come from a monkey. You come from the image of God. On the way over here this morning, you know how little things pop up on your phone? And it popped up on my phone from the Weather Channel. Now, the Weather Channel now, and the Weather Channel said that we want to celebrate the best animal moms. Uh, the Weather Channel is asking us to celebrate Mother's Day by celebrating the best animal moms? I was thinking, what is the Weather Channel doing with that anyway? I want to know the weather. I don't care about that. But I thought, that is so weird. And so we want to celebrate animal moms? I don't want to put Diane in the same category of animal moms. <laughs> you know, number one, she didn't try to eat me when I was a baby. <laughs> you see how warped that is? You know, just say, celebrate animal moms. I'm I'm glad that there's good mothers that take care of their animal babies, but it's not the same as my wonderful mother who took care of me or your wonderful mother who took care of you or the mothers that are out there today. It's not, you're not in the same category. That's what an evolutionary mindset will do. We're just in the same category as animals. You're not. There's only one thing today that I, one shun that I hope that you do not shun. (laughs) There's several other shuns that we could look at. The untoward generation, evolution, temptation, There's several others that we could look at, but one shun that I hope you do not shun, and that is your salvation. God has given you the priceless gift of salvation. You love Him, you serve Him, you you have a desire for the Lord because He's given you something, and guess what? You don't deserve it. So we should not serve God out of fear of going to hell. We should not serve God out of fear of judgment. We should serve God out of love and respect for the great salvation that He has given us. And there's no better way to show it than if you desire to follow the Lord. Come down and make that known. We'll give you that opportunity as we stand and sing.